Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to our podcast. My name is Michelle Elman. And I'm Molly Lee. And in this podcast, we talk about everything from sex to spirituality, dating to diet culture. And today we are talking therapy. We are. Um, I love therapy. I believe, actually, this is interesting. I actually believe that if you can afford it, that therapy is something that you should stay in for the rest of your life. I don't believe it's something you do and then you're done with therapy. I don't know, that's my beliefs around it. It's really expensive, a therapy, though. No, I know, but, I like, as in, it's my biggest expense in my life at yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah. But as in, I, I don't know, I was reading a lot about it lately, and someone was like, oh, I'm done with therapy, and I was like, I don't believe you're ever done with it. It's like, if you can afford it, I think this mentality around six weeks and you're done, which is very much perpetuated by the NHS, it's like, you're not actually done. Like, you don't stop developing yourself you don't stop learning you don't stop growing that's so interesting because I was uh in the situation I was just doing therapy for my anxiety and then I came to a point where I was going to do more therapy where I said hey you know what I feel like I don't need this anymore and they were like okay we are fine but I think that's therapy for something specific yeah but I think it's yeah because I was in therapy for a very specific problem that I now had under control and I felt like I have a busy schedule I like I like it actually takes some time to get there and I kind of feel like actually focusing hyper focusing on the anxiety that I was in treatment for maybe not be the best thing I felt like I knew I had all the tools well so, so I do therapy in a very different way yes, and do. actually like my 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 coach gets annoyed that I call it therapy because it's not technically therapy yes, coaching um but it is coaching and I kind of put it under the umbrella of therapy because that's what it feels like to me but she is not a licensed therapist she is a licensed coach um but so my experience with therapy is oh I had some pretty negative experiences with psychologists growing up uh both in hospital and when I came out of hospital where I had um basically I had a awful psychologist come into my hospital room right after I found out I was diagnosed with a brain tumour um and asked me if I was scared of dying the day before my brain tumour was being removed and then diagnosed with me with depression when to be honest I think it was a normal human reaction to be yes to finding out you had a brain (laughs) tumour at 11 (laughs) years old and that you'd gone through four surgeries unnecessarily because they didn't find the brain tumour well not even four seven surgeries um So that was my first experience with a psychologist. And then my second experience with a psychologist was actually a volunteer who was a psychologist in the hospital. And I fell in love with this woman. She was like someone I could talk to, was really kind. And she wasn't there as a psychologist. She was literally there as a volunteer with her dog and she was bringing her dog around. Um, But 
I got really intrigued by her job, which is how I fell into actually working in psychology and uh, doing uh, starting with a GCSE in psychology and then A-level and then uh, a university degree. Um, and it was only... Oh no, when I came out of hospital, I went to a psychologist again because I had quite OCD tendencies with locking doors. Um, but I went for one session and she told me that she explained it in really complicated language what was going on and I never went to another session after that it was always a bit strange because you're 11 years old you don't really understand it um and then I went to a counsellor when I was 16 and I couldn't really describe why but I wanted to start talking about my surgeries and all I knew was that anytime I spoke about my surgeries I just hysterically started crying but I had no self-awareness because I was 16 years old and what eventually led me to that counsellor was one of my friends says that said that one of her friends went to the school counsellor to just talk about friendship problems and in my head and in my school uh, the counsellor was reserved for major and extreme problems so there were like five things it would be like bulimia depression anorexia self-harm and um one other I can't even remember what it is but like unless you had those you wouldn't go to the school counsellor so when she said to me oh no she just goes for friendship problems I was literally like oh maybe I should just go and so I used to go to her but then I found it harder and harder to go to the next session and I was like this is not helping me and I'm just crying and to physically force yourself to go to a session where you're going to cry for two hours yeah it was just too much um and then I went to a psychologist for PTSD when I was 21 um I didn't have a particularly pleasant experience there either with talking therapy and then what I found worked for me was NLP which is a form of therapy but like they wouldn't class it as that it's more coaching um and I went for a session of havening and that really helped for me and that's why I'm a life coach yes is because I believe it's important as a practitioner of any Um, self-development to believe in your practice and know that it works and so I practice the thing that works for me if that makes sense what's your experience with therapy uh so I've been in therapy since I was or my first experience with therapy must have been when I was around maybe I don't know 14 15 something like that um must have been for depression and then later for eating disorders I have had good experiences and I've had bad experiences. Um, I would often feel, I felt like when I was younger, I very often felt like everything I did, very normal reactions to stuff would very easily be seen in a very medical view. For instance, like you said, you, yeah. were, you were feeling sad and scared because you were having going to have surgery and then, oh, depression. Yeah. Right? And I often felt that whatever I did, it would kind of, like I would be taken a bit too seriously sometimes, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, but I had a really good experience with therapy was uh, when I did my eating disorder recovery. I did cognitive behavioral therapy with a very very lovely therapist, and it helped so much. She was very she was kind and understanding, but she was also very focused on making progress yeah. and sticking to the plan. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and my last experience with therapy was this year when I was doing therapy for uh, anxiety. And yeah, I had, it was quite okay. And what would you say is the difference between like your good experience of therapy and your bad experiences? I think it has a lot to do with your kind of your chemistry and your trust yeah. in the person you're talking to. 
like I find for myself in terms of therapy I I need someone that I can feel vulnerable around that I can like tell what's actually going on yeah so for me it's very important that it's it kind of has to be a woman and it has to be a bit of an older woman yeah <laughs> sounds really random but when I've had a male therapist I had I changed right away because I just can't you know it just feels very like comforting I think yeah. having an older woman it's just yeah you know someone that you feel you can be vulnerable around and have a good connection with I think I couldn't I've never been to a male therapist but I don't think I could because I think I know that like I think there just is a difference between the dynamic between a man and a woman and a woman and a woman and I don't feel like I can be fully myself yeah especially if I started talking about love life stuff to a man um, so I've only had female therapists, but I think my main thing, because I've had so many negative experiences of therapy, I think the two things for me is one, that I don't like a therapist who believes they know better about you than you know about yourself. Oh, yes. So I've had a lot of experiences where therapists said, this is why you do this. And I'll mm-hmm. go, well, that doesn't sit right with me. And they'll be like, for example, I went to a therapist who once told me that, um, my weight was because I had a fear of um, being so... Because she started talking about weight in one of my sessions and I said, like, quite casually, oh, I went to a, a fashion show yesterday and I was like, I was looking at the models and I was like, oh, they could literally snap um, because they were so thin. And she was like, oh, you have a fear of dying and, like, your bone's breaking because of... Um, and I, like... And because what? of what, your past illness, like, that's why you're fat is because, like, you have a fear of getting hurt. And I was yeah. like... No, no, it's just a saying. Like, you know, yeah. like, people say that about thin... Like, I wouldn't say that now because it's not, not like... Well, I don't... I just don't think it's a nice thing to say. But, like, I was like, that just doesn't sit right with yeah. me at all. Um, And it's that which is one of the main things. So I always think the psychologist or therapist or coach should be listening to you. And if it doesn't sit right with you, they shouldn't be telling you how you think or how you... Um, or like sometimes when they analyze it it doesn't necessarily match up with your experiences of it yes and I think that's so important having a healthy dynamic with the therapist yeah not one where you feel like they're talking to you like a little child yeah and that they are talking to you that they have the knowledge and you have nothing and what they're saying is the absolute truth there yeah. needs to be some kind of mutual understanding not just them like making all your decisions and saying what's wrong with you and what this that there needs to be some they need to listen I think listening yeah. is so important therapists need to be good at listening and just not making their own stories in their head what's yeah. going on with you and then looking for confirmation that their story is true because also like having done a degree in psychology I also know that there are too too many psychologists too many therapists who aren't self-aware enough to know that they are projecting yeah. and one of uh, it's called transference or counter transference depending on um depending on which way it's it's transferring Ooh. but um every psychologist like by law has a supervisor so if you aren't actually talking to your supervisor and talking about the things that you might be rejecting onto your clients you're actually not checking yourself mm-hmm. and making sure you don't project mm-hmm. um the second thing that i think is really important when it comes to a therapist and this is just specifically for me is that well, the reason why two of my therapists were really ineffective one being a counselor um which is also really important because I actually think most people don't know the distinction between all types of therapy, like counsellor, psychotherapist, psychologist. Um, 
because this is actually is the job of the counsellor, so it wasn't her fault, um, is the fact that I tell a lot of stories. I could tell a story that will last for 45 minutes. Yes, we can. <laughs> and a psychologist hour, it's called a psychologist hour, is actually 50 minutes. So most sessions are 50 minutes long. So I could be telling one story for 50 minutes and I will get nowhere the entire session yeah. because I've just recanted a really long story. And if I'm being honest with myself and now because I'm a lot more self-aware, it's a protection mechanism because we never actually get any deeper because I've just told a really long story that took up the entire session. And unconsciously, it's because I'm scared of what you're going to do or what you're going to find out or what you're going to analyse. But I need a therapist, and this is, again, just for me, but, like, I need a therapist who's going to, like, interrupt and be like, come on, let's get back on track. Like, it's not important you tell me every single detail of this story. Mm. Like... That like you can tell me the story in two minutes and then we'll actually work on what's wrong. Um, so that's really important for me is that like I was going for two hour sessions and nothing. I would come out being like, I could have just had that conversation with a friend because yeah. they said nothing. This is not supposed to just be a conversation. Yeah, but also because it wasn't. It's not meant to be a one way dialogue where yeah. I just tell you a story for two hours or an hour or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I had two hour sessions with the counselor, but this is what I think is actually most sad. Being trained in psychology is that I hate that psychology is so um, illiterate to most of society to the point where they don't know the difference between a counselor, a therapist, a psychotherapist and a psychologist because Mm. how is the average person meant to know who to go to to get help if like most people don't know the difference between that like Mm. could you tell me the difference between that i probably could but i guess i've done some reading yeah (laughs) but like gone to some therapists and yeah i mean even googling it i remember when i was trying to find a therapist myself for the first time as an adult at 21 and just googling it like I'd sat in three years worth of psychology lectures and I couldn't even find like the theories that I wanted. Like you, if you got a CBT therapist compared to someone who believed in PDP, which mm. is um, psychodynamic psychotherapy, um, it's completely different ways of thinking, mm. but you wouldn't know the difference to the average person. So I think the main thing I would tell someone though is if you go there and your beliefs don't align, then it's not the right therapist for you. And because they're the authority figure, it's very easy for you to question yourself yeah. and be like, oh, oh yes. I'm in the wrong. It's not about being wrong. And like the same way I said talking therapy wasn't great for me. I'm not saying talking therapy is bad. I'm saying it didn't work for me. I think that for some people, you know, there are some people who don't talk to their friends about anything. They hold everything inside. So for them, going to a therapist and literally just talking for 50 minutes is actually going to help them. Yeah. But I think for And it did help me for for a month. Yeah. But then I think the thing is that we have to remember that all types of therapy work for different people. Yes. And so when I say talking therapy didn't work for me, I'm not slagging it off. I know great talking therapists. Yeah. Um, and I know people who've been hugely helped by talking exactly, therapy. Yeah. Um, but what I what I really want to emphasize is if it's not working for you, keep looking for new therapists. You can go to four, five, ten, twenty therapists until you find the right one. Yeah, I see this so many times. People they get a therapist and they this is where I typically see this for people who have eating disorders. They get an eating disorder therapist who say some outrageous things. For instance, they might tell someone uh, with, uh, let's say, bulimia, oh, like 
after a binge restrict like everyone knows that's not what you're going to do because yeah. then you're going to binge more and they know in their hearts and in their minds and every like they know very well that this is not how it is yeah but they continue going to a therapy that they know is misinformed yeah and or it could just be a therapy where you, therapist where you just know that the connection is not there you're not able to open up about what's really bothering you yeah and but you just keep on going and, and paying for a session if you live in countries where therapy is, is yeah we pay for like in uk um but well, you can get therapy can, for yeah, free okay, on yeah, NHS, yeah. but you get six weeks and then yeah. it's a long wait. Yeah, but list. in many cases you pay a lot of money and you go to a therapist where you know you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. Just, it's okay. Like, you, you're not betraying the therapist by, no. by and changing. And they're not going to be hurt by it they're because not this be is literally their job. It's like, their job, yeah. Um, And I, I know if I could go back and talk to myself going into those therapy sessions, uh, the first therapist I went to go see for PTSD... um. I walked in and in the first session, within 10 minutes, she diagnosed me with PTSD and then she said, you're going to have this for the rest of your life Um, and you're never going to be recovered. And this is just not the way I think and it's not my belief. And I found it so limiting, so demoralising and, like, I just taken a huge brave step to go to therapy and I was being shut down, is how I felt. Mm. I couldn't vocalise any of this and I just thought... She's a professional. Listen to her. That's how you get help. Do everything she says and it'll, like, all be okay. If I could go back, I would have told myself, like, no, go find another therapist. Because you need a therapist who believes in your recovery just as much as you do. And I eventually found that person. And I can say I'm four years recovered from PTSD. And fully recovered. Like, not a single symptom fully recovered. Um, And I think it's it's important that your views line up. Now, not all your views have to line up. If you're going to someone for eating disorders, for example, you might not have the same views on how to like address your love life, but it needs to at least line up in the area you're working on. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also really important that psychologists, therapists, people who work within that field, they don't bring up topics that you don't want to work on because I think that's another thing I went to so many psychologists and they'd bring up my weight and to me my weight wasn't I hadn't brought it up I didn't think it was a problem they're projections and they would be like well we should discuss your weight your your weight is a like like signifier of your emotional eating whatever it is and I was like I've not brought it up surely these sessions are for what I bring to the table and like if I'm not saying like my weight is a problem then why are you addressing it exactly you're kind of creating problems that <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and you also can't look at everyone as like a blanket thing that like everyone is applied the same theory and the same like exactly. you should everyone be customizing your approach see the person not the diagnosis ah i like that <laughs> um so do you think there is still i know there's a lot of talk about uh self-development in general but do you think there still is a stigma around therapy yes i think there is but i think it depends a bit on who you're talking to for instance i know for like between me and you like it wouldn't be much of a stigma but then i would do other people where i would feel really uncomfortable if i was going to go to therapy and say it but i think i know for myself what i've been doing is that i would literally just started saying if i was going to go to therapy i would just say i'm going to go to therapy and it's super uncomfortable in the beginning and people are a bit like hmm but then i it's actually like I realized almost like they become more comfortable with yeah. as well. Then they might ask me next time, oh, how's therapy? And yeah. I'd be like, oh, well, we're cool with this now. Yeah. So I 
I actually like I know this is a bit silly but in my head I think it's like activism it is where sort of acti- yeah mental health yeah, activism absolutely where I'm like I'll just very casually like mid conversation I do it with you all the time but I do it with everyone and I don't let who I'm with dictate whether I do it or not I do it because I'm like this is the person I am and if I change rooms and I'm around different people you're not going di- to dictate my behavior yeah. so like no matter who I'm with I will just go like oh yeah the other day I said to my therapist the other day my therapist said like very casually doesn't need to be a big point but like to the point where I do it so often that I don't actually think I'm making a point of it like yeah. it's just the same way I mentioned what I had for lunch like yeah. kind of thing I love that. I wish I could do that more myself, but I have to say I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> it's I tend like to, baby I, yeah. steps. Yeah, baby steps, absolutely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. But also because before, because you get, if you get so used to talking about it, when you stop talking about it, it is you consciously stopping yourself from talking about it. So yeah. when I go to want to consciously stop myself, I'm like, well, no, why? Like, and don't don't get me wrong, I still get, like, weird looks occasionally when I say it, or, like, oh, like, people get... It's usually more people get very awkward. Yeah, people get awkward because they're like, oh, should I ask more about this? Yeah. Like, and sometimes people... I think people very often assume when you say you go to therapy, people will assume you're going There's through something, something wrong. very... Yeah. Like, something is wrong. You're going yeah. through it. So they're kind of like, oh, shit, should I, like, ask? Yeah. But I also think it was... Um, it... It was very interesting my first experience of therapy as an adult because when I used to come home to my housemates, there would always be a lot of awkwardness around it, whether they should ask, whether they shouldn't ask. Um, And just very early on, I just said to them, like, hey, can we just not talk about therapy? Because what's funny is that that therapist in particular actually told me to not talk about therapy because she said when you go home and you recount the session to someone else or anyone else, you only remember that part of the session. And I was like, that's actually really interesting. She basically oh, yeah. said, because if you condense, let's say if you like, I came home from therapy and you were like, um, oh, how was therapy? And I give you a five minute spiel. I've just condensed 60 minutes into five minutes. And then in my yeah. memory, what I remember is the five minutes. And so you don't get the learnings of the 60 minutes. And I was like, that's actually really interesting. Yeah. Which I didn't even realise that. But yeah. now um, the therapist who I'm with now and how I am with therapy now I don't really believe in that as much but I think at the time it was important that I did that um and because I was so new to therapy and I was so new to like 
processing my stuff and because what I was going through was a lot more extreme than like now I mean the reason why I'm in therapy now is not because there's something dramatically wrong in my life but I almost see it as prevention like yeah, prevention yeah I do think I'm the kind of person who lets everything build up until I'm literally at breaking point yeah and I think the reason why I've had in general good mental health over the last four years is because I deal with the small problems when they come so yes. that they don't build up to the big problems and I'll go into a session and have no like nothing really to talk about and then we'll just work on because I think that's the benefit of like going to a coach is like if I have nothing to work on we'll work on like my values and like what I want to do in the next six months we'll set goals we'll talk about like um where I want to be in my business because we do a bit of business coaching as well and like things like that so it's not necessarily going with something wrong and I don't go every week anymore like I used to go every week I go like once every two three weeks now but isn't that because you mentioned earlier that your therapist is actually technically a coach yeah so what you said about like making plans prevention yeah that's that would maybe coaching. some people would say that's not therapy that's self-development how would you kind of uh, separate the two of them. I label it. That's yeah. what I'm like. That's why to me the word is therapy, and like my coach does get annoyed by it because she was like, you know, I'm not a trained therapist, and I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> um, but it's to me, it's all of it is self development because yeah. how is therapy not self development? Exactly. That's so a good point. It's a massive umbrella term. Mm. I think what um, I think what I don't like is the idea around you're done with therapy means you're done with self-development because you're not or you can be but I think it's just not the way you live your life or the fact that I think we need to go push against the grain with the idea that you are sorted or you are fixed and then you don't have any new problems because what I believe happens is let's say you sort your anxiety you now are going to parties, you're now on the tube, blah, blah, blah. Something new will surface because Mm. you're putting yourself in situations you've never put yourself in before. Mm. So just because the anxiety's gone doesn't necessarily mean every single problem in your life is gone. I would like to say I have a pretty good life. I have pretty good things going on in my life. But every new level that I get to, there's a new new thing that I need to talk about. Um, And I think also what I found is it... Again, it's a massive privilege because of the money and the cost. But one of the things I massively found is it took the burdens off my burden off my friends because like I didn't need my friends. I mm. like want my friends around, but I need my therapist now. Yeah. And like so around things like my TED talk where I got very nervous, like that all of those conversations would have just happened with my friends. Yeah. And I wouldn't have progressed because yeah. your friends just listen. Um, and that's the job of a friend. Yeah. Um, and I think that it just helps my friendships a lot because... Yeah, I think absolutely that therapy, coaching whatsoever can help cultivate healthier relationships. Because yeah. very often what we tend to do is that when we have an issue that we need to work on, uh, we put it on our closest friends, we put it on our family members or we put yeah. it on our partners. Yeah. And that can be very difficult because you might find yourself... For instance, if you're in a relationship and you have a partner who doesn't go to therapy, that partner might make you yeah. their therapist. Yeah. And that could also be very unhealthy. So I think it can be like a save, like really save friendships, relationships and family dynamics a lot. I think my romantic relationships have always been better because of my, because of the amount of therapy I do and yeah, the amount of absolutely. like, and also I don't see it as a failure if I do if I have to go to therapy more and I don't see Mm -hmm. it as like a win that I now go 
every three weeks instead of every one week because I don't judge myself on how much help I need and Mm. I don't judge myself on needing that help that's so Um, important how you say that yeah Mm. I like that sentence yeah (laughs) (laughs) um do you do you think that it has been changing like do you think there is a shift and it's just been a slow one or Yes, I feel like there is a general shift that people are becoming more open about mental health. Yeah. And being more open about mental health kind of also means being more open about therapy. Yeah. Uh, so you hear people talking, like people are opening up about what they're going through and then they often add in that they're going to therapy. So it's becoming more uh, socially acceptable and I often see that... Uh, if you go more into self-development that's becoming very mainstream people love talking about like reading a self-development book it's like it's not looked at as something weird anymore well would you be embarrassed if you were reading a self-development book on the tube it depends on what kind of self-development book it was but no i would do that i'd do that okay so what what would be more embarrassing for you like as in because you said depends on what type but like, what would be an, something you would be embarrassed by? Not necessarily embarrassing, but I remember I got this kind of self-help book for anxiety. And yeah. I did, I think that I, I wouldn't find it embarrassing reading it on the tube, but I think I would find it very exposing and I will feel like I was kind of being very vulnerable. It's so interesting because um, I like, I basically only read self-help books. I love it. It's like my favorite yeah, me type too. of Me too, I love it. My entire bookshelf is self-help and or pretty much non-fiction but it's pretty much self-help. And it's so funny because I felt this embarrassment when, like, you know, I share all the books that I read on my Instagram. Like I'll share, I'll just put a picture being like currently reading. And then I got two books specifically about love life. And when I went to go post it, I was like, I don't want to put this up. And I was like, but why am I feeling the shame around working on my love life? And I've never spoken, like I've actually consciously, when I feel that I try to do it anyway. Um, and so I've been saying on my page that I'm working on my love life. But for some reason, I find it more embarrassing to say I'm working on my love life when I've been so open about mental health, so open about therapy, so open about every other area of my life. But I find it slightly embarrassing. And I still feel the embarrassment. I just do it anyway. But like, of saying I'm working on my love life. And I'm not sure why. Yeah, that that's very interesting you say that. Maybe it's because people... Maybe you're scared people will assume that if you read or like you work on self-development in terms of your love life, it means that you're like completely failing in that area. But that doesn't necessarily... It's not I mean, I, I think anyone who knows me knows I'm not exactly successful in my love yeah, life. But, in, but I would say that, for instance, I know for myself, I, I have like... My guilty pleasure is self-development in the yeah. field of relationships and love. Yeah. But I would be I would be like in a good relationship and I would still have like such a guilty pleasure watching like YouTube videos and like uh on like relationships yeah. or and stuff that I did not really need yeah but I just find it interesting but I just find how humans work interesting yeah. and like I love how it. we connect to each other and how relationships can differ so much I also yeah. find it fascinating how we settle for such rubbish relationships in our life yeah, when like absolutely. you wouldn't tolerate the same in a friendship yeah that's um, so true but yeah, no, so how do you quantify or do you think you should quantify improvement in your life? Like, in in the self-development area? What do you mean? Like, how you quantify, like, growth. Like, whether you're growing and changing in a positive way or whether you're, like, developing. Um, I think I do that by kind of... If I compare myself with how I was, like, a month ago or three months ago, yeah. looking back, I think that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. 
I also often think about like a year ago, would I be be able to do the things I'm doing now? Like I look, well, you look backwards, but I also like, I imagine myself backwards and then look forwards. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So do you think that it's also a millennial thing? Because I I still think, we say that everyone's moving forward. I actually think only our generation is moving forward. I still think there is a huge generation out there that haven't progressed whatsoever and are very much in the mindset of, like, we are snowflakes. Our generation are snowflakes. We're Mm. very sensitive. And uh, we all have diagnoses and we all have, like, mental health issues. When actually, they probably did. They just weren't transparent about it. Exactly. And also, can we take a moment to acknowledge that millennials is people, people who are like, I think 30, is so 35, 40, That's they're right, also yeah. technically millennials. millennials. So we're talking yeah. about, we're not talking just about like 18 year olds, which I no, don't even I know do if they're think like grandmas and yeah. like grandma generation and maybe our parents' generation are still very like headstrong. Yeah, but they often, you see, there was not that they didn't suffer it, but they suffered in silence. Yeah. I think also, like, I, I've been listening to a lot of conversations around miscarriage. It's so strange because I'm not pregnant. I'm not, like, even, like, vaguely looking at getting pregnant. But I've been reading a lot of stuff about miscarriages and, like, difficulty getting pregnant. And I think, like, there was such a... That's a such a big mental health conversation. Mm-hmm. And can you imagine going through that and thinking, like you're the your failure as a woman for yes. not being able to conceive yes. so still i feel like there's not really that much conversation about that specific topic because it's not the millennials yet oh <laughs> well actually it is because if it's up to 35 oh yeah oh yeah millennials are getting yeah. babies like yeah they're the ones getting babies right now so well, yeah they are, like there are some really great bloggers starting to talk about like yes um yeah. we but often see that th- that's like, breaking through at the moment yeah i often see that this change often stems from people talking out in their social media yeah maybe sharing a picture on instagram or sharing a text on instagram twitter whatsoever facebook if anyone still uses that people share things on social media and that's how it starts a conversation yeah and i think when one person opens up it gives other people the like courage to do the same on their platforms yeah um i like to think it's what i do every day but like yes you do girl yes you and do. you um uh, yeah but Not no sure there's <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot that still needs to be done i think i think in general we need to stop belittling the actual everyday negative emotions and I think we just need to change this idea around happiness in general because mm-hmm. it's not this consistent mood that everyone's oh, in. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, it is a like momentary feeling that you have. It mm-hmm. is a like literally like everyone feels happy every day even if it's for a second when you completely mm-hmm. forget about your life. Um, and if you like valued that time more we'd stop chasing it as this like ultimate dream. Yeah. Um, but that's where I, I'd like to see mental health move towards now. What would you mm. like to see happen in mental health? Um, that was a tricky question. I think making mental health resources more accessible for everyone. That's that a big one for me. Because I think it's unfair that people who can't afford private treatment have to wait often for months to get yeah. help. That and also the unfair. waiting, like, people people forget like well they don't forget but it's down to resources but like six week waiting list you have no clue what could happen in six weeks yeah and if you let someone spiral like because i am in a privileged situation i do go to a therapist like i can only spiral for two weeks at most because usually like if i've just come out of therapy i'm fine for a week and then like but spiraling for six weeks i can do a lot of damage in six weeks exactly and like 
to then only get six weeks of treatment as well, mm. I think there's no ongoing support um, within the model that's happening now. And I think the other problem is that um, people are going to GPs for help and the GP only has two options, to give medicine because that's the only thing they're qualified to do or refer to a psychologist. Mm. And I think sometimes because there is a lack of understanding with within psychology that people don't realise that the doctor's supplying medicine because they have to get you out of their office within 14 minutes. That is like the NHS code. Mm. Um, And so when they give you medicine, it's not necessarily because that's what you need. It's because that's the only thing they can offer because they're not trained in psychology. Mm. So, and when when they know they're referring you to a six-week waiting list, that is the preference when you can get medicine right now Mm. um and i just wish there was more understanding around it so you could make an informed decision Mm. and i think that's the main thing is that like i just think we are in a place within the psychology fields where the diagnoses are getting more and more complicated so the average person can't understand it and the average person can't choose the right therapist for them um and then when you are put in a situation where you can't afford it and you're doing it on the government thank god we have the nhs um they aren't really ha- they don't have the understanding of what's actually happening exactly yeah cool well that's a great place to leave it thank you so much for listening bye bye ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.